We'll be in Job chapter 23 tonight. I have to admit it's been difficult to clear my mind the past couple of weeks to properly study. Obviously, this has affected my ability to prepare sermons. As you could probably tell from this morning's sermon, it felt very disjointed to me. And that's a big deal to me because one of my main responsibilities is to feed the sheep. I want you to know that I am doing my best to press through all of this, get my head on straight, but my heart is still heavy. And I'm asking you to be patient with me. And I said that to let you know I never take standing in the pulpit lightly. Delivering the Word of God is a wonderful responsibility. It's one that I thoroughly enjoy. And I always want to make sure that I'm giving what God would have us to hear. So I would ask you to just forgive me in what I am delivering tonight. I feel like it's a very underprepared sermon. But with that, that out of the way, I'm learning... There have been many epidemics since the 20th century. There have been several pandemics during that time as well. In fact, our seniors have already lived through several severe contagious illnesses in their lifetime. Even though an estimated 60.8 million people were infected by the 2009 swine flu, many of us really don't remember much about that. It was classified as a pandemic. The reason why we don't hear, we don't remember hearing as much is because the death rate was really low with the swine flu. The death rate we are seeing right now is certainly greater with the coronavirus, the current coronavirus, than what happened in 2009. And I'm not saying that this one's a flu, it's certainly worse than that. The swine flu claimed 12,469 deaths in America, upwards of 575,000 worldwide, while COVID-19 has already claimed over 9,000 deaths in America and nearly 70,000 worldwide. And those numbers are continuing to rise. And I'm not sure I believe what's coming out of China, just to be honest with you. Time will tell how this strain of the coronavirus will rival past illnesses, but it is on pace to be the worst that I can remember in my lifetime in America. If you're around my age, these are interesting days in which we live. I think you would agree with that. I think we're seeing just how good we've had it. And now it's just kind of interesting to me all that's going on Several reasons for that that we won't totally get into. And I, I just want to talk to you about what I find interesting. I'm not sure there's much of a message tonight other than some thoughts I've been chewing on. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.29, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. That verse has been proven right through this pandemic. We are taking extraordinary measures because we love our life. In my opinion, that ought to prove to people that there is a merciful God in heaven. Matthew 5.45, God 
It says there that He maketh His Son to rise upon the evil and the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. If life was nothing more than we live and die and then we are no more, then why such a desire to preserve our life from the inevitable nothingness of the grave? Why do we think and act so differently from the animals if we just evolved? Why would we implement social distancing? The animals don't do that. They have illnesses too. In fact, many of these illnesses we deal with have come from the animals. And they've jumped their way to humans. After all the pandemics the animals have experienced, why haven't they learned to implement social distancing? After billions of years of supposed evolution. You think they'd have figured it out by now. But even during this obvious display to preserve life, there are still millions and maybe even billions of people who will suggest that there is no God and therefore they refuse to stand in fear of God. They'll act as if the day of God's judgment is a day of make-believe. They'll act as if the Lord's return is some kind of a joke. They'll act as if believing this Bible is a thing for the weak-minded. They refuse to hear one as big as God because they can't see Him. And yet, a virus unseen by human eyes has brought the world into fear. Entire cities have grinded to a halt. Economies are suffering. People are losing their jobs. And on top of that, people are worried about dying. People will say, even though I can't see this virus, I know it exists because of the effects of its presence. Why isn't that true with God? Why can't we know that God exists because of the effects of His presence? There are many effects of His existence we can see and feel. One is the fact that we're seeking to preserve life. Because we do trust the sun will shine. We do trust that the rain will fall. We desire to see our children and our grandchildren. Which of the animals desire that? Now for those of us in Christ, it interests me how we can fear God and fear the virus. I want to be clear about something. I am not saying we are wrong for taking protective measures. I buckle my seatbelt every time I get in the car. And it's not just because I'm afraid of getting a ticket. I've already said we'll follow the CDC guidelines. I've said we don't need to be stupid about all of this. But it's interesting how we... How we are, we do all these things as if we are able to change what God wants to do. I'm not preaching, I'm not picking, I'm just observing. With that in mind, let's read Job chapter 23, verses 13 through 17. But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? What his soul desireth, even that he doeth. 
for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence. When I consider, I am afraid of him, for God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my face. I believe there is a dichotomy between the actions we are taking trying to limit this illness and the actual impact that we think we will have. I understand the reasons for the actions. I do not disagree with them in theory because no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But on the other hand, I also know it's a vain thing to suppose we can thwart what God wants to do. I just find it interesting. That's all, nothing more. It's just interesting. I said weeks ago, we aren't containing anything. We may think that we have flattened the curve, but it is God who ultimately decides who gets infected and who doesn't and when. You could disappear entirely. And if God wanted you to be infected, you'd be infected. Verse 14 says, He performeth the thing that is appointed for me. Read Psalm 139 sometime and see if you can escape God. Whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? He knows how to reach anyone he pleases. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Do we really think we are slowing down what God seeks to do through all of this? It's as if we actually think our actions can supersede what God is doing. Verse 13 says, Who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. In Job 9.12 it says, Behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? God has a purpose in this outbreak. I personally think it's not unlike what we would go through with any other illness. God wants our attention. And what God does is He escalates, escalates the intensity in order to get our attention if we do not respond to the smaller scale attention getters. Personally, I believe we're missing the main lessons which God is trying to teach us. And by we, I mean the whole of America. Though it may certainly apply to some in our church. The fact that we think we have some amount of control in all of this is proof we're missing what God is doing. What should be happening is a call to isolate in order that we might fast and pray to the God of heaven. Not a call to isolate because we think we have figured out a way to curtail what God is doing. We should be learning that God does whatsoever His soul desires. We're no match for what He wants to do. Who can turn Him? There's only one thing I see in the Bible which can turn the heart of God. And that's genuine repentance. Our ingenuity, our ability to create vaccines is not the way to turn the heart of God, but it's to repent. What do you think would happen if this entire nation did as Nineveh did under the preaching of Jonah? 
The Bible says in Jonah 3, 5 through 10, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent? And turn away from His fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works. That they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them and He did it not. Can you imagine tonight if these United States would get on their face before God? Cry out for His mercy in prayer and fasting. I reckon God would relieve us of this pandemic. When David sinned by numbering the people, God offered David three forms of punishment. Three years of famine, three months to be destroyed by the enemy, or three days of pestilence. David chose the pestilence because he knew God was more merciful than man. So the Lord sent a pestilence and 70,000 died. During that time, please understand, I'm not making fun. But during that time, David did not begin to implement social distancing measures. He did not suggest the best way in which we can curtail the judgment of God is to close down. But what David and the elders did was they clothed themselves in sackcloth and fell upon their faces. God stopped the pestilence as an angel was about to destroy Jerusalem. The Bible says God repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough, stay now thine hand. I'm not saying we're wrong for taking measures. But this is what I expect to happen from a people who do not want to cry out to God. I'm telling you that the best protective measure... That we have is crying out to God. Getting right with Him. Jeremiah 18, verses 6 through 10 say, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom? To pluck it up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said would benefit them. God can do with us as He sees fit. And no amount of clever scheming will ever change this fact. We are as clay 
in the potter's hands. And what determines our fate is if we turn from our evil ways. Now, what causes us to turn from our evil ways? So look at verse 15. Therefore am I troubled at His presence. When I consider, I am afraid of Him. As you know, Job almost lost everything. And in some context, we would say he lost everything. To be sure, there's much more to this passage than I'm going to deal with tonight. But when Job considered that God can do whatsoever he pleases without giving an account to anybody, Job was troubled at his presence. When he considered God's power... And God's ability to take away so much at once, he was afraid of God. As a reminder, the Sabians stole his oxen and donkeys and killed his servants. Fire fell from heaven and burned up his sheep. The Chaldeans killed other servants and stole his camels. And on top of all that, his children were killed. Job was receiving all this news one right after the other. And what was hard for Job in our text is that he didn't die before it all happened. That's what he means when he says in verse 17, because I was not cut off before the darkness. Before all this happened to me, I just assumed I would have died. Like I said, there's a lot more to this. I'm just going to veer a bit from the context because I just want to make some application. But what the fear of God does is it causes us to turn from our evil ways. The reason we go on in sin is because we don't fear God. Job says in verse 16, For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Job was trembling on the inside of what God was capable of. And it made his heart soft. Meaning his heart had become tender. And it also means that Job's heart became faint. So there's some debate as to whether this is a good thing or a bad thing in which it is worded. Most believe it's a bad thing. But I want to suggest to you tonight that even if it is a bad thing, I believe this is ultimately what leads to Job getting right with God. Job had to be brought to a place once again where God was all-powerful. Where God is capable of doing whatever his soul desires. This caused such a great fear of God that Job said, Therefore am I troubled at his presence. When I consider I am afraid of him. And I submit to you that God wants to bring us to the place where we can do nothing more than throw ourselves upon the sovereign mercy of God. God wants us at the place where we recognize His supreme authority and His ability to do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, to whomever He wants. The only way to get there is to fear Him. Not fear a virus and what it can do, but fear God and what He can do. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. 
Psalm 76, 7 says, Thou, even thou art to be feared. And who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? We have to recognize that we are nothing compared to God. We are just clay in His hands. And we can get to where we see God as the one who is almighty. If we can get to that place, then we'll have a response like Job in the last chapter of this book, chapter 42, verses 1 through 6 say, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth. Wherefore I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. That's all God wants. God wants us to stand in awe of Him. To abhor ourselves and repent in dust and ashes. That we would see Him for who He really is. Would to God we'd learn this lesson during this outbreak before a worse thing come upon us. We need to fear Him again. We need to fear Him as our Creator. We need to fear Him as the potter. The creation doesn't get to tell the Creator what to do. The potter doesn't get to, or the clay doesn't get to tell the potter what to do, but we are left to his wishes. May we get a hold of this truth through all of this. God wants us to see more of him and less of us. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. You know, sometimes it's just necessary to get back to the fundamentals. Sometimes we get too cute when we think we have it all figured out. Brother Wideman gave a good men's Bible study lesson, preaching, devotion. I don't know what we call this thing. We need to mix it all together, a, a preach ocean. And he was talking about, God help him, but he was talking about playing soccer as a child. I have maintained God gave us thumbs for a reason. And it's not to kick a ball around. There were times when I was a kid, I played sports my, my whole childhood year round. And my mom was here, she'd tell you all about it. And there were times when we would perform poorly as a team. Because we thought we were better than we really were. And at the next practice, the coach would say, okay, we're going to get back to the fundamentals. That's what we need to do. I think God wants us to clear all the clutter. Everything we thought that made us real cute. Everything that made us think that we were something. God wants all that cleared away from our life. He wants us to get back to seeing Him for who He is and not who we think we are. I heard this quote this week, and I want you to get a hold of this. We don't need churches full of people, but we need people full of God. 
To be full of the Spirit of God, we must be empty of ourselves. Let's remember tonight that our God can do whatever His soul desires. Who can change Him? Our best response is to just let Him have His way with us. While we are simultaneously getting our hearts right with God. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see what's best for Him to have His way with thee. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking we're dodging God's plans. He's in complete control tonight. I'm still wearing my seatbelt. I'm still going to hold the distancing rod away from everybody. But I want you to understand tonight, God's going to do as He sees fit. And the only thing that will change that is if we get our hearts right and we start repenting. Let's pray.